Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, this is John Dorsey. How you doing, buddy boy? Don't be scared. What's better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts on this Thursday edition of the show. Very excited to get into our segments today, which include headlines. We're going to work through some more schedules and give game-by-game predictions. And finally, we have Baby Big Board coming up later in the show. Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. Uh, Baby Big Board is my favorite concept of the week, so I'm super stoked to get back into that because we missed last Thursday's show and made it up on Saturday. Not this week. We're making sure we get Baby Big Boards in, damn it, and we're going to do it here today on The Dudes. Kyle, let's get into the headlines. Uh, the first one I want to lead off with here is uh, Charles Johnson has announced his retirement from the NFL an 11-year career for the Carolina Panthers, and uh, just was I mean, he had a good career, 67 and a half sacks. He was a first-round pick back in 20, uh, 2007. His stretch from 2010 to 2014, 11 and a half sacks, nine sacks, 12 and a half sacks, 11 sacks, eight and a half sacks, really was a pillar on some really good Carolina Panthers defenses. He's among the uh, the better, I think he's one of the better defensive linemen that the Panthers have, Panthers have ever had. Kind of the guy that maybe could be one of those Ring of Honor type guys. But uh, really good, really good career for Mr. Charles Johnson. He's only thirty one, so it wasn't a necessarily like a super long career, but a good one nonetheless. Yeah, I uh, somehow missed that yesterday. I was kind of out and about for some of the day, and um, Charles Johnson. Yeah, I mean he that you said it was a four year stretch, five year stretch. Yeah, right around 2010. Yeah, I mean, if you're putting together an average of 10 sacks a year for five years, uh, that team's probably going to recognize you when it's all said and done. That's, I mean, that's no small feat. Yeah. And he played his entire career with Carolina? He did. I thought he dabbled with some team maybe recently, but it didn't stick. But, uh, yeah, 2007 through 2017 with the Carolina Panthers, 67 and a half sacks for his career. So Hat tip to you, sir. That is a a very nice career. It was a part of some uh, very good Carolina teams as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Piece of news number two here, Kyle. George Loca, he signed with the Vikings. So this this ridiculously good defense gets even better. Unfortunately, he can't play offensive guard for them where they really need help. But, uh, man, he's a veteran know-how guy. We talked about him early in the week when he was released from the Bengals. And so Mike Zimmer, former defensive coordinator for the Bengals, gets one of his guys over here in Minnesota, has a chance to pair with Harrison Smith and become one of the best duos in the NFL. I know Sandejo and Harris are a couple guys that that they like, but, um, you know, look, I think immediately George Loka probably becomes a starter and uh, the depth of the Viking secondary is that much more insane. Yeah, uh, this is how good teams stay good, right? Get good players. They they get good players. They get guys on bargain cuts and – and don't spend a lot of money to get a veteran in on a short-term deal. And, yeah, I mean, the the depth that he will provide 
is going to be very valuable. And obviously Zimmer being familiar with the Loka is, is a big piece of this and why this came together for them. But uh, can't hate the move at all. As you said, Joe, I mean, they, they have some other positions where, you know, you would love to see them get things addressed, but that's not going to happen right now unless they go out and they trade for somebody. And, you know, they're, they're so focused on trying to figure out who do we have on the roster right now? What do we have with these players? That uh, it's not a priority right now, but an opportunity to get a very seasoned veteran, a guy that used to play at a very high level in Aloka, uh, makes a lot of sense for a team like like the Minnesota Vikings. You know who could help them add into your offensive line, but just couldn't help them? Richie Incognito. You've been reading yeah, up on this what guy? A hot mess. I mean, you want to talk about breaking news, right? Jeez, right. Like this just- guy just got arrested again. Yeah, some pretty sick stuff, man. You get I'm just nervous about him. Like I don't think he's stable. And it's disappointing no, because yeah. his stretch, his three year stretch with the Bills, and he was like the company man, like worked his ass off. I mean, just big part of the locker room. And then whatever happened with his retirement and his extension that shouldn't have been, or whatever happened, this dude's just in another world right now. So I hope that he uh finds some mental stability and doesn't hurt somebody or himself. But, uh, man, um, you thought his career was resurrected, and it's not at all. I don't think he – obviously, he's retired, so he's not going to play anymore. But you can squash any thought that he can come back and help a team. Yeah, forget about that. It's um, – the least of his worries are the gridiron right now. <laughs> it's get get your mind right. And, uh, you know, this, this is a little frustrating to, to keep reading on because, you know, this has been an ongoing thing with Richie. Mm-hmm. And um, – as you said, I, I hope he takes advantage of some of the resources that are available to him, whether that's through the league or through family and loved ones or whatever that needs to be, so that he can kind of recalibrate and uh, assess where he's at and and find some peace and stability. Schedule time, Kyle? We've, we've schedule been, time. Been it is schedule this. time. Would you like would you like me to lead off? We're only doing pro teams today. We each got one pro team. Yes. Um, uh, the, yes. This is what is this? Our first podcast together, talking over each other. Uh, who wants to go first? I will offer you because you let off yesterday's festivities. So I'm going to give you yours first. No, 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 no. I'm going to give you yours first. You gave me mine first uh, on the Wednesday show. All right, I'm ready. Okay. Well, we are going to stay local for you. We're going to talk about the Carolina Keep Pounding Panthers. Okay. 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 You, this doesn't sound very well, very I, enthusiastic. Yeah, I think uh, I have some some Panthers friends, obviously, who you listen do. to podcast, mm-hmm. and you know, I don't know if they're going to like where this is going to head. I don't know. I haven't gone through game by game until this moment, so we'll find out here in the next minute or two. Joe, you need to serve them some stone cold truth. Yeah, that's all okay. I can do. I won't lie. There will be no so lies gonna, on this. They're going to open on September 9th against the Dallas Cowboys at home. Now, I did Dallas yesterday, right? And I predicted Carolina to win that. You did. So I need I need to stay true Not there. Not sure why you did that, but you no, did that. Carolina's good at home. The strength of the, the – the weakness on the Panthers is their offensive line, and Dallas doesn't necessarily have a defensive line to exploit it. So, you know, give me, give me what I think is a good Panthers defense. Cam Newton, I, it's going to be fine. They're going to win that game. Okay. Carolina, 1-0. Uh, at Atlanta Falcons. Loss. One and one. Home against the Cincinnati Bengals. Win. Win. So two and one entering the week four bye. That oh. sucks. 
Okay. A September bye week is like so not ideal, but here we are. So we're going to come in week five after the bye week. They're two and one, and they're home against the New York Giants. Win. Win. So they're three and one at the Washington Redskins. Win. Four and one at the Philadelphia Eagles. Loss. Four and two. Home against the Baltimore Ravens. Win. Five and two. Home against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Win. Six and two. Okay. Halfway there. Six and two. Carolina must be feeling pretty good. <laughs> but now they go on the road and they play Pittsburgh. That's a loss. Six and three. Now they go on the road and they play Detroit. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and it's only fitting that this important interruption is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Have you thought about what you're getting your loved one this year? Or maybe you want to give the gift of sweet-smelling grundle bliss to your partner. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Whether you're the only one who gets to see what's going on down there or you're one of many, do you, your partner, and everyone else a favor and introduce yourself to this revolutionary company. Manscaped just launched their brand new Perfect Package. Inside the Manscaped Perfect Package, you'll find their Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer, which features skin-safe technology and will prevent you or your man from cutting his nuts. Speaking of smelling nice, let's be real. No one wants to carry around that locker room smell with them. That's why I am thankful for the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. These products keep your crotchal region from sweating, smelling, and sticking. The Perfect Package will also come with a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep that junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pair of boxers to this new new. Give the gift that will make your Valentine's Day spicy. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code locked on to get 20% off and free shipping. Ladies, this is the perfect gift for you and your man and men. Your partner will thank you. Trust me, he will thank you. And guess who else will thank you? Your balls will thank you. 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code locked on at manscaped.com. That's a, that just feels like a game that Panthers are going to lose. That's a six and Six and four. Yep. Home against Seattle. Ooh, uh, it's in Carolina. Give me the win there for the Panthers. Seven and four. Now they're on the road against the Bucs. This is the type of stupid game that Panthers would lose. Uh, I'm going to go with a win for the Panthers. Seven and uh, four. No, we're eight and eight and four. Eight and four. Okay. The game the Seahawks game. Now they're on the road against the Browns. Win. Nine and four. Joe, who haven't the Panthers played yet this season? Uh. Who have oh the Saints are gonna lose two or three to the Saints right here. So they're on the road, primetime game. Or I'm sorry, they're home primetime game against the Saints. It's a loss. Now they're home against the Falcons. It's a loss. And now they're on the road week 17 against the Saints. It's a loss. Three in a row. That is a brutal stretch. So what is that? Does that even them out? Where do they go? Nine and seven. Oh man, and I had them at nine nine and four. Nine and seven. They got to find a way to win one of those last three, at least, and avoid that meltdown against Detroit that I predicted. Yeah, dude, they have a brutal stretch of five weeks where they are road, road, home against the Seahawks, road, road, late November into early December. 
four or five on the road in their home game against is against Seattle. Oh, that's tough. That's tough. Uh, okay, well, that probably doesn't get you in the playoffs in the NFC. Probably I not. Of, I think, look, I believe that, though. I think Panthers are on the outside looking in. They have two glaring issues with the offensive line and the secondary, and that division isn't the division that you want to be weak in the secondary with the Saints, Bucks, and Falcons passing offenses. They don't match up well with any of those teams. And so uh, I'm very concerned about those glaring issues. Uh, Kyle, I am going to give you the Denver Broncos. Shout out to Justin okay. Crockett. He said that this is his favorite segment, and he was hoping that we would do the Broncos too. So uh, for Justin, Here's we're going to get the Broncos in. And, yep. and you thought they were a potential uh, surprise playoff team in our conversation, I believe, last week. So let's see if there really is a course to the postseason for the Denver Broncos. Are you ready, sir? I am ready, yes. Okay, things get started at home hosting the Seattle Seahawks. Ooh, at home? Yep. I'll take a win there. Oh, okay, a win for 1-0. and They host the Raiders in Week 2. That's also a win. I had the Raiders yesterday and gave the Broncos this win. Okay, 2-0. and At Baltimore. What's up, Carter? How are we doing? Uh, for, I just, I think that defense overwhelms Baltimore. I think that'll be a tough play game, low scoring game, but I think Denver wins that game because they have more offense or because their defense is better than Baltimore's because their offense is better than Baltimore's offense and they both play physical defense. It's three and oh, okay. They go back home and host the Kansas city chiefs on Monday night football. You know, the chiefs are going to be so boom or bust. Um, give me that game too. Four, Four no. and oh, all right. They got a short week. They head to the New York Jets in week five. Five and oh. Five and oh. They return back home and host the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, no, that ain't going to happen. They're five and one. We're five <laughs> and one here. Five and one. All right. So now we can, the first L is on the board, but we're pacing very well. Uh, Thursday night. They travel to the Arizona Cardinals. This team has two Thursday night games. Uh, no, they have. They had a Monday night game, but this is their. Oh, first short. Thursday you said short game. week. I just short week coming off this of Monday night to a road game in New York. Yep. Okay, so um, <clears throat> Cardinals I'll in, take a in Arizona. I'll take a win in that game. So that's six and one. Yep. Okay, they go to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I'll. I think Chiefs are boom or bust. I think they go one and one in that series. So I'll. I'll give the Chiefs the home game. Okay, six and two so far through eight games. Yep. Uh, this is their last game before the bye. They have the Houston Texans. They host the Texans. So mm. this is in Denver. Give me Houston. Seven and three. No, no. is that right? No. Six and three. Six and three, yes. Six and three heading into the bye week. All right, coming out of the bye week at the Los Angeles Chargers. It's a loss. Six and four. Uh, next, they host the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jeez. Um, tough stretch here. It's probably a loss. Is that six and five? Six and five, yeah. All right. We started five and one. Now we're six and five. Here we go. At the Cincinnati Bengals. Win. Seven and five. At the San Francisco 49ers. This is NFL Under Review, local experts on the biggest NFL stories. 
The NFL Honors Award Show was last week and one surprise when it came to Defensive Player of the Year. This is Bear Motter with your Los Angeles Rams update from Lockdown Rams. Aaron Donald would have been the first player in NFL history to win the award three straight years in a row, but it wasn't the case that the NFL Honors that award this year went to Stephon Gilmore. And don't get me wrong, Stephon Gilmore had a great season. Six interceptions, 18 pass deflected, two touchdowns. He had 53 total tackles. Stephon Gilmore won the award with 21 votes. Chandler Jones came in second with 14. TJ Watt with 10. Although Donald says this doesn't bother him, I see him putting this chip on his shoulder, working even harder, and coming back stronger in 2020, which is a scary thing for the rest of the NFL. For more NFL news, subscribe to the Locked On NFL Podcast only on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. win eight and five so the the denver broncos reach eight wins all right they host the cleveland browns win nine and five they travel to the oakland raiders on monday night football i think i gave this one to the raiders okay from yesterday's show so i'll give them a loss so they're nine and six nine and and six nine and six a chance for a 10-win season Closing the season at home, hosting the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, I don't think they match up well against the Chargers. I'll take the Chargers. So nine and seven. Nine and seven. Nine and seven got you into the playoffs last year in the AFC. Yeah, but I think that's where they're at. Right? Is like fringe. Yeah, I think, and I think you gave them a couple of wins that I think can go either way, and a couple of losses that can go either way. Um, it's just whether or not, realistically, if 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 Case Keenum can be the Case Keenum that we saw last year. And he's that wasn't his first year in the NFL. Like he's not been that good every year. So I'm not rooting against them. I think that's a relative unknown. The offensive line has some issues. I love their weapons. Their pass yeah. catchers, but not yeah. backfield. Eh. Defense obviously is the strength of the team. So there you have it. Nine and seven, Denver Broncos. Nine and seven, and they do play the Bengals head to head this year. So that's that'll be a fun week in December. What is the storyline that I'm missing there? Uh, you and I have the bet about who oh, has a better yeah. record this year between the Bengals and the Broncos. <laughs> That's true. We're going to stop everything we're doing, and at uh, yeah. Yeah, one o'clock on December second, glued to the TV that week. <laughs> All right. Thanks for the reminder there. So yeah, we have yeah, three yeah. open bets, right? Three. We have three head-to-head open bets. Yes. Right. We'll see if there can be a fourth one here before the season. Oh, I'm sure we'll find some stupid excuse. Yeah. All right. Joe, it's baby big board time. B three. So B3, baby big boards. We are talking best places you've ever watched a football game. Now, I didn't specify, Joe, college or pro. I have all college teams on my slate. I've seen some pro games. But um, I have gone completely the college route. And we have been working this in the past, five to one, alternating. So I'm going to give you the first chance, give you the floor, and ask you on your baby big board, mini big board, very tiny, only five. In that fifth slot, what is the fifth best place you have ever watched a football game? So let me ask you this, though. Is our focus here for the experience of watching the football game? Is it the press box? Like, what's the appeal here? I mean, you can bracket it however you would like to. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to bracket this Joe Marino style. For number five, this is a surprise, and it maybe speaks to – 
some of the places you've been that I haven't. But I'm going with the Duke Blue Devils home stadium. And let me tell you why. I'm going the press route on this. Their press box is fantastic. You get a very modern office chair with, I mean, lightning fast internet. The food spread is tremendous. The facilities are just in first class condition. Now, it's not the biggest, most robust stadium. But in terms of the visuals and how it's put together, uh, it is it is first class. And probably, you know, the cost of tuition there at Duke certainly helps maintain this facility. But um, like I said, it's not going to blow you away with its size and stature. But from a, a first class um, facility and, and media experience, I got to give it to the Duke Blue Devils. My number five spot is going to go to Morgantown, West Virginia, Milan Puskar Stadium, uh, I've been there each of the last four years. The first year I went there, uh, West Virginia, led by a Kevin White and Clint Trickett football team, uh, upset the number three or four ranked Baylor Bears. And they scored like 50 points in that game. I'm driving down the street on the way out, and they're burning couches on the side of the street. And um, you talk about food spreads, Joe. West Virginia brings out some choice buffet style food spreads not like some of these other places that like your credential has like a little tear off piece yeah, on it and you got to hand it in at the end that's you know you're in trouble cool. yeah. that's nonsense we're professionals here we could be here all night if we're writing the story we got a good lead you can't walk away from the story don't pull that off the table don't give us one serving and and west virginia does not do that and they have excellent food uh, there's not a bad seat in the house, so I want to give them a shout-out for that as well. So West Virginia is number five on my baby big board for best places I've attended to watch a football game. All right, for me, number four, New Era Field, home of the Buffalo Bills. Um, it's not like This is not an amazing stadium, all right? This is a stadium that probably needs to be upgraded. Well, not upgraded, replaced. They need a new stadium for the Buffalo Bills, but when I think about my earliest memories of attending football games and being there in late December, my brother and I, uh, we, we, when we moved to Charlotte, we loved to go back uh, to Buffalo to watch games and uh, we were both in college. So we couldn't get there until December, right. During, uh, you know, winter break. And uh, so every winter for many, many years, we would haul up to Buffalo for whatever home game we could grab in December. And so, some of those memories in the snow, watching games, uh, seeing the Bills play against the Cleveland Browns one time, held them to like under 20 yards of total offense. There was an overtime thriller against the Chargers. Uh, Travis Henry caught a touchdown uh, to win the game for the Bills. And so think about some of those late December games, some of those freezing cold games that I'd never go to uh, now that I'm in my 30s. But the memories there uh, were, were tremendous. And so for that reason, New Era Fields number four on my list. Number four for me is Lane Stadium, Clemson, Virginia Tech, 2017. These were both top 15 ranked teams. I'm down on the field an hour before the game, and I'm looking around, and it's just like, holy shit. This place is rocking. It was college game day was in town. The stands were packed an hour before the game, and these guys were going nuts. And Virginia Tech comes out to enter Sandman, and the whole place is shaking, and they had just renovated the part of the box that I'm sitting in, so it's a beautiful facility. Uh, great overall experience. Virginia Tech did not win the football game, and thank God they didn't because I probably would not have made it out of Blacksburg alive if they had. You know, They just would have burned the whole place to the ground, Joe. 
Kyle, for me at number three, I have Bank of America Stadium here in Charlotte, home of the Carolina Panthers. It's a good place to watch a football game. I mean, when you talk about no bad views, it's that's what you get with BOA. You can sit in the top row of the upper deck, and you're going to have a good sight line to the field. It's it's the the stands are very close to the the playing surface, and how it's kind of uh, you know archit engineered. I guess the word I'm looking for. Um, not, not necessarily the fan experience isn't great. It's kind of a wine and cheese crowd, but a good place to watch a football game and um, wine and cheese crowd. What is that? Ah, you know, you know this. Like, uh, so the thing it's about play, you think they're snooty? yeah, it's it's you know a lot of people on business, you know, people handing out tickets to clients. It's you, you, Charlotte's still a relatively young football town, right? It's the Panthers have been around for like twenty five years, so you don't have this like this long standing history where your grandfather and your dad and you or you know we, it just was part of your life growing up, right? That those generations of fans don't exist here, so like. The fan experience is pretty poor, especially because Charlotte's a city of transplants. We all came from somewhere else. And so usually the Panthers are a second favorite team or an afterthought. You know, you're a fan of the Steelers or Bills or Browns or Lions or Bears, wherever you came from. So the the, the enthusiasm has been is getting getting better every year. But, you know, it's not that rabid fan base where, you know, football is knitted into the fabric of the community like you see in towns like you know Philadelphia when I was there last week with you. I mean, I commented on it, man. I was like, this is great to be in a football town where everybody cares about the Eagles. And it was a topic of conversation everywhere we went. And just that that Eagles logo was everywhere. You don't get that here. But anyways, there's there's a long answer to an easy question. Number three for me, Neyland Stadium. I was only there once. Uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, rivalry weekend, 2013. This was like Tyler Bray, Derek Rogers, uh, Tiny Richardson, Corderella Patterson, Rajon Neal was on this team. Um, a lot of good, fun football players, and they put on an offensive show. Patterson had several really explosive plays, but just SEC country, something different, right? Yep. Yep. And Neilan, you know, tucked away there in Knoxville is just a beautiful stadium. It's got a very you know, vintage feel to it. You're looking around the Ring of Honor. You're reading some of the names up across it, and, and Peyton Manning, and Reggie White. It's like, holy cow, man! Like, this is the real freaking deal. And uh, they they just do it different down there in the South. And uh, for that reason, you know, even though it was very early in my scouting career, uh, it definitely made a large impression on me uh, being there in that environment. Kyle, number two for me, uh, Lane Stadium, Blacksburg, Virginia. A lot of the reasons you said there, I was there on senior day this past year for the pit game. Um, Not as high profile as Clemson, but you could see the passion there in that town and just the Hokies are everywhere. And uh, you know, you kind of have to park a little bit farther away uh, from that stadium. And so walking in and seeing the tailgates and just seeing the passion that those people had. And then it's just a beautiful structure when you're, when you're walking up and you kind of get in and you just, you just feel something different when you're inside there. And it's, it's a unique in terms of how the stands are put together and a very passionate fan base and, and uh, you know, something place I want to make sure I get to every year. Yeah, definitely a great place. Glad, glad we had the overlap there. Cause we haven't been to a lot of overlapping places. No, that's true. Uh, number two for me is Lucas oil stadium for the 2017 big 10 championship game. Uh, this is the game where they had the goal line stand Wisconsin and you know, they, they had the turf come up, and we had to pause the game for about 20 minutes while this guy's down there with a rake raking the turf. And uh, shout out to that guy for being the MVP that night. And 
surprisingly closely contested football game and being down on Lucas Oil Stadium's field before the game and just kind of looking around. It's really just like an incredible, incredible stadium. Really kind of takes your breath away when you really stop and look up around at it and appreciate where you're at. And uh, to get a good football game with so much on the line, a spot in the college football playoff between those two teams, Wisconsin coming in undefeated in Ohio State, ultimately neither one of them getting in, but there was that skin in the game. It very much had that level of implications on it was just a cherry on top. And you got to see so many great football players in the process. So that, that for me was my favorite game that I was at last year. I thought that was going to be your number one. So I'm very anxious to hear your number one here after I give my number one, which Mercedes Benz stadium in Atlanta, Georgia got a chance How to could get it there. not be. Oh man, I got there three times last year. I was like, this is must be a dream. Um, and so certainly looking forward to returning this year for a game or two, but I mean, that thing's the Taj Mahal of football, man. It's unbelievable that that uh, halo, uh, whatever you call it, scoreboard, that whatever video board that kind of goes around the the stadium is something that you just don't see anywhere else. It's really cool. It adds to the experience. The view that's had this op- opaque view out to uh, downtown Atlanta is one of the uh, on one of the end zones there. And then, I mean, it's just it, it's just state of the art. It's an elite place to a watch of game. So I did two games there as a credentialed press. So I got that experience and obviously their press box is incredible. But then I also got to, you know, sit in the stands for the bills and Falcons game and uh, had just as great of an experience there. So uh, it is the, uh, the Taj Mahal again of watching a football game, in my opinion, and it's going to be hard to find something that, uh, that beats that. So for me, top spot on B3, baby big board for best places. I've seen a football game. The football game had a lot to do with it. But I was pleasantly surprised at the facilities at Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City. Really? Okay. I was at this game, Michigan, Iowa, 2016. It's November, late mid-November. Michigan comes into this game. They're a top three rated team in the country. Michigan physically dominates them the entire game. But Iowa hangs tough. There's a late change of possession with a minute left in the game. It's a two-point game. Iowa gets a big play, kicks a game-winning field goal as time expires to watch every Iowa fan in attendance storm the field, having upset a top-three-rated Michigan team at home. Uh, that place is crazy, Joe. Those fans are rabid. And the, the facilities there were very, very nice. The press box was in great shape. The field itself is beautiful. You're down there before the game. I'm watching Jabril Peppers field punts and warm-ups, and you get appreciation for for the size and physicality of the players on the field down there. And uh, just the, the blend of the rabid fans, kind of like what you got at Lane Stadium and really good facilities and the national title implications that were in play there and the ending of the game, the quality of the game, the quality of the players, all those things combined my greatest football scouting experience and place my greatest place. I've watched a football game, Kinnick stadium, November, 2016. I was, uh, I was thinking you were going to like go with hard, hard, uh, hard rock stadium or something. I was really curious for number one for you, but uh, yeah, no, I can't go the Homer route that bad. I I I mean, hard rock, the, the renovations they did at hard rock were beautiful, but like the press box there, was not on the priority list for getting up. <laughs> I'll put it that way. I've seen that too. Um, and um, yeah, you get some rough ones, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of The Draft Dudes. 
We'd like to thank you for carving some time out of your Thursday. Tomorrow, you can catch us over on Locked On NFL Draft, so make sure you swing over, hit subscribe. John and Trevor, great friends of ours and teammates at the Draft Network. Uh, We're going to be doing our Friday Super Show. That means you'll be hearing from Joe and I at a mystery time yet to be determined. So keep your head on a swivel. Hit that subscribe button. Make sure you're ready when we come down the chute. You never know when you're going to get us. I'm Kyle Krabs at Grinding the Tape on Twitter, signing off with Joe Marino at the Joe Marino. Thanks for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.